will say when you did the um, uh, I think it was you, Brett, who did the you know the making your picture as a Disney character or whatever the anime <laughs> thing. You know, back two months ago. Yeah. When you did the thing, I'm like like I was like, what's all that on my head? And I'm like, oh, that's my hair. <laughs> I haven't gotten a haircut in eight months. Like, it's the Sound the Foghorn Podcast. Cut off by Mata, throws it out front, Dumba scores! Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, notes, and much more. Fiala's in for Minnesota. Fiala cuts to the middle. Wade scores! Greenway in. Saved by Miska. Rebound. Erickson. They score! Jordan Greenway beats Miska. And one. Poked away Kaprizov. In for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the thrill. Now, here are your hosts. Brett Marshall, Zeke Boya, and Justin Buck. Hello, and welcome in to Sound the Foghorn. Brett Marshall, joined as always uh, by my pal Zeke Boyat, Justin Baki. We are all rocking our Dala Dala Bill Kirill shirts from Soda Stick. Uh, so if you haven't seen the picture of that yet, uh, check that out on all of our socials. Looks pretty good. Uh, also joined today by special guest Aaron Lowry, uh, better known as the face and the quirky personality behind the Minnesota Wild uh, social media. Uh, we'll get to her introduction here in just a minute, but I want to check with my friends first. Justin, how you doing tonight, my guy? Yeah, it's been a tough week, but I'm excited to be back and really excited for the show and to get to know Aaron a little bit. And Zeke, what about you? Yeah, I'm doing good too. Uh, you know, not had uh, much to do this week, which has been good, but just uh, again, happy to be here to uh, talk more hockey tonight. Yeah, I my week's gotten progressively better. So Monday was a rough start. I got my first ever ticket um, for oh, no. apparently turning too late at a red light, and I can't even make this up. I I'm turning. Uh, off the interstate and there's like three it's kind of that grayer like lights kind of like half yellow half red and it's kind of rush hour so i'm going to pick up dinner and like me and two other cars in front of me turn left kind of late and i get pulled over and the cop comes up and goes verbatim yeah you turn late there and i i probably could have pulled over the other two cars in front of you too but i decided just to use and see where the last one through so i ended up getting the ticket so that's great, but then since then, uh, the Wild have won a game, and now we get to do a podcast. So the week is trending up. Weather's good. I have tea times to golf this weekend as well, and the oh, nice weather. Nice. So I'm pumped, ready to do this show. Uh, Aaron, we'll have you start. Welcome to the show uh, for the first time with an asterisk by it. <laughs> Last time we had some difficulty, but I don't think we'll be having those tonight. Uh, first off, just how you doing tonight on this uh, off day for the Minnesota Wild? Doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to talk to you about um, wild hockey and kind of everything that I do for the wild. So fire away. All right. We'll, we'll get right started here uh, just with how you got to where you are. So we know, uh, well, I know, and I think these guys know, Caitlin Gamble was the previous wild social media. And then you took over last year. Tell us how that came to be and, and kind of how you ended up where you are now and maybe just how, you know, yeah, let's start there. 
Sure. Yeah. Um, so I've always really been into sports. Um, I grew up playing sports, volleyball, softball, basketball. Um, I didn't play hockey. I can't skate as much as I wanted to. Um, I just kind of got into it too late. Um, but yeah, grew up a really big, you know, Minnesota sports fan, um, and had an internship with the Minnesota twins, um, which was, I was their social media intern. I learned a lot. It was awesome. Um, and then actually I moved, um, from Minnesota to Florida for a couple of years and I was, um, the digital marketing coordinator for the Tampa Bay Rays, um, that's kind of where I learned a little bit more that I don't know if anybody's familiar with that account, but they're also very quirky, very fun, kind of um, a little sassy here and there. Um, <laughs> and so that's kind of where my social media journey began. Um, obviously Florida is a lot different from Minnesota living in Minnesota my whole life. I kind of always wanted to come back home and hopefully run in a, an account for um, one of the teams here and got really lucky. Um, the timing worked out where as I was wrapping up my, season with the Tampa Bay Rays that this job opportunity came up and I applied and and got it and moved back home and um started four days before the start of last season so I was kind of thrown into it but um yeah definitely excited to be back and um have learned a lot along the way well I think the fans have taken a very quick liking to you um we were talking a little bit about this before we jumped onto the show but just how kind of the differences between you and, and Caitlin Gamble and just the, the level of interaction with the fans. And and it, it sounded like what you were telling us is that kind of evolved from when you started to kind of where you are now. So take us to the evolution and do kind of the, the personality, um, if you will, kind of behind the Minnesota Wild social media right now. Sure. Yeah. So obviously last year, um, starting pretty late um, to the game, I mimicked a lot of what the team had done in past years, kind of researching and looking back how the tone was and um, kind of getting a little bit more influenced around um, maybe sort of like the media or public relations side of the account um, and kind of that sort of voice. Um, whereas, you know, kind of in the off season, I had talked to my director and we had talked about how, you know, we, we see a lot of engagement around fun accounts like Wendy's and um, you know, and, and Velveeta and kind of that sort of social presence and how we can kind of make um, the tone and voice more fun on the account. Um, and just kind of jumped in this year with our, our away games in LA and kind of have just let it kind of ride and really changed how we interact and how we view fans. Cause I mean, every fan is almost a micro influencer. And, um, I think I heard this the other day that, um, getting a comment or a like from a fan, from a brand account is almost like a, uh, an autograph from, from a, a celebrity. So um, getting that interaction with fans is something that we were really, um, really striving for this year. And it's just been really fun to connect with everybody and, and see um, how much people have really, really enjoyed the, the shift. Yeah. And I think one of the, uh, one of the things that's caught on the most, especially as of late as the wild have turned into absolute goal scoring <laughs> juggernauts uh, has been caps lock. <laughs> how did that come to be? And just, we've kind of lashed on to it now i know i've made a point uh, when the wild score that we're doing it from our podcast and i think i even tweeted at uh, the wild account like hey don't need to to subtweet us because we were doing caps too and so how did that happen and and how have you taken that and run with it and is there any plans to kind of like really lean into this in the future that you can maybe uh, give us a sneak peek into yeah um i mean i think honestly the idea of caps lock for sure uh <laughs> translated from last year i don't know if um you guys followed along but 
anytime somebody scored, whether it was Moose, Kevin, kind of whoever, always just kind of hit the caps lock and um, kind of rolled with it. But this year, just, you know, I think the, you know, the more prevalent goals have kind of uh, just brought out the idea of like, oh, get ready, caps lock are coming. So um, I think that people really liked the idea of just like acknowledging that it's something big is coming, like almost like a precursor to like, oh, who's getting the goal? So um, yeah, I've really enjoyed kind of making that kind of its own thing. Um, I've talked to a couple of social media managers in NHL too. And um, we just think it's really funny when people, you know, like automatically goals are just associated with cap lock. And so Mm -hmm. just purely acknowledging it has been so funny just to see how people enjoy it because it's just such a simple tweet and I've done it so many times, but still every time it, it gets the people going. So that's kind of where it all started way back when, but just acknowledging it more a little bit more this year has been um, has been really fun. Yeah, it's like tweeting about Kaprizov. It's just free engagement <laughs> at that point. Yeah, really. Yeah, I think he's. I was gonna say he's definitely one that people are really excited about, and um, I. I mean, every time that he's around, it's just it's so exciting, and I kind of get on the edge of my seat of like what's gonna happen. So, um, I think you know definitely with Capo and Kevin and, and Kirill, it's easier to hit the K on the caps lock with that one. But um, in general, yeah, caps lock has been really, really fun this year. Awesome. All right. Uh, gentlemen, I'll turn it over to you guys. I've asked uh, a couple of questions here uh, just to get to know Erin and, and just kind of about her. What questions do you guys have for Erin here before we uh, jump into uh, some Twitter questions and things of, of that nature? Yeah. Well, I guess for me, uh, you know, we were just talking about, you know, caps lock and all that. And I remember on our previous show, when you had you on, you were talking about how before this year, you kind of goal was to just bring more like fun into it was it what you're saying and so like uh what exactly i mean aside from what we've already talked about like what what does that like kind of like consist of like what are you you know specifically for fun yeah just like overall just trying to um yeah i think i think fun for us has just been um dunking you know, on obviously... me <laughs> <laughs> i know i i was gonna say i dunk on my friends so if you if you come if you come at the account it might happen um I think just in general, the idea of like um, acknowledging that this is not just like this very like suit and tie person behind a computer mm-hmm. that it, it's a real person and I'm, I'm consuming yeah. everything you guys are. I'm also a pretty, you know, I'm a fan of the team and just something that's exciting for me. I'm hoping to kind of translate that in for everybody else too. Um, but yeah, fun for me is just like any stories that are different. Um, I think one of the most fun things I've had this year has been the JJ Watt tweet that we tweeted out a couple weeks ago. Um, And I've gotten a lot of like just general recognition outside of even just like the sports world around that. So that was, Mm -hmm. it's just kind of trying to figure out ways that we can be a little bit more quirky and a little bit more um, like relevant is what we're trying to go for this year. Killing it. (laughs) Thank you. This might be kind of a dumb question, though, um, but uh, have players like Kevin and Capo and Krill made your job, like, that much easier, that much more fun? It's like everyone feeds off those guys, and it just – I feel yeah. like that's something that you can just, like, jump on and instantly get likes and rea- reactions and interactions. Yeah, absolutely not a dumb question. No, they, they totally are. And I think it's been really fun to see, you know – the difference too between MLB and NHL, like MLB is they're the guys in, in the MLB are still a little bit more flashy. They're a little bit more um, kind of more about themselves a little bit in, in a good way. They're more about their personal brands, whereas hockey is more in general around the team and, and the we. And 
it's been really interesting to see how I can kind of highlight each guy in their own special way. And um, I think that those three are just, they're so fun and, and they've had such successful, you know, years so far that, you know, every time that they are doing a good selly, I want to make sure that I'm showing off that part of them because not everybody can see it because nobody is in the arena right now. So um, I definitely think those three are making it a lot easier, (laughs) but I mean, obviously guys like Matt Dumba, he's just such a personality. Like those are the things that we're trying Mm -hmm. to find because it is so much a team sport that we have to figure out a way to kind of highlight them as individual people too. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. You brought up Dumba, and I wanted to bring this up. I mean, we obviously have these shirts because of Dumba, but <laughs> it seems like he just has kind of this infectious personality in the locker room with just, like, every nickname I hear for a wild player, it seems to come from Dumba, and it just seems like he's the most beloved teammate, and of course, I mean, there was, I can't remember which game it was, it was last week, um, one of the games, and just, he called, like, Kaprizov, uh, his brother, using the Russian word for brother, and, like, I emotionally, like... collapsed from like happiness of that can you just talk about like the kind of person that matt dumba is just the energy he brings from from your experiences with him yeah matt is a great guy i mean i really am really lucky i think with everybody on this team they're super awesome but you can just tell matt has like the idea of like i'm gonna be fun and light and bring these guys together Mm -hmm. and he just has such a way of making you feel so invigorated around him that he's just he's just a light it's so it's so great to have him on the team every single name that has come out of that locker room for sure has started with Matt Dumba (laughs) like the Sturm's a Bruin the Sturm's a come in that came from Matt even though I heard it from Marcus Foligno it's just every name that it always comes from him he's just he's such a great personality and a great person obviously he does so much in our community and he's so awesome to work with um I just I I he makes it really easy to bring content around him and to bring people in because he's just, he's just that great. (laughs) And uh, speaking of nicknames, I think we've moved past one a little bit now, but I think the most controversial part of the uh, Minnesota Mm. Wild Twitter would be the use of um, mini uh, (laughs) over Minnesota. Uh, Where do you stand on that? And and what is your insistence in pushing the mini narrative, even despite uh, those who may push back on it? Yeah, I mean, I'm team mini, clearly. Um, and I think that um, anytime that I can bring mini into the conversation, it's a very um, polarizing topic and it brings discussion. But truly, the first time that I heard somebody use the term mini was Matt Dumba. And so mm-hmm. if you don't like mini, then I guess you don't like Matt Dumba too. So Ooh. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> hey, and Bruce also, has got your back too, though, and, and several other media also, members there you know ryan carter uses it like it's just very much like a hockey term i think and if if you don't like mini you better get on the bandwagon now because it's not going anywhere (laughs) you know i never thought of it this way but until you just kind of said it's kind of a hockey way like we talked about Mm -hmm. nicknames and like it's the most minnesota hockey thing ever to like basically take a player's name shorten and add a y to the end yep Mm -hmm. and so mini like in that that way actually makes a whole lot of sense (laughs) because that's just how hockey players talk yeah, it's so true. It's like, I heard this too. It's like any long name they make short and any short name they make long. Like, Rao is Rouser for some reason. And like, they add either Y or R. And yep. so it's, yeah, it's it's very much a hockey thing to like shorten and, and hyphenate and change just things just to be a little bit easier. So um, 
but yeah, I, I obviously am a very big mini fan. I'm probably going to make myself my own personal mini shirt, (laughs) um, just because it's, it's who I am and it's part of my brand now. There you go. Got to embrace the brand. All right, gentlemen, I'll turn (laughs) it back over to you guys for some questions here. I think uh, now that we're kind of talking about the players, who has been your most uh, pleasant interaction, whether it be a player, someone in the front office, just anyone in the organization? Yeah, I mean, I think I said this a little earlier, but all of the guys are really, really awesome. Um, they are, make things really easy. They're all very willing to help me with everything. Um, obviously, our you know kind of bigger names with Zach and Ryan have been doing this for a very long time, and so... Um, they kind of get it and they know what, what I'm asking for when I, I ask them for something. But um, surprisingly, I think some of the the sneaky good guys at like social media are the ones that I really like to work with a lot. So like mm-hmm. Jordan Greenway is one. He's just very quirky and like he, he gets it. He kind of plays mm-hmm. into his like persona a little bit of like, you know, a little bit of the controversy, which is why I like it. Uh-huh. Um, but Ian Cole is is one that, far and exceeds my expectations with social he's very like with it he um he gets it he i mean he's he's a really really great guy too but um overall i think you know kevin's great capo's great uh matt's great like they're they're all really good good guys which makes mm-hmm. my job a lot easier i know i i i think <laughs> that i've obviously i i run all of the wild social and so it's hard for me to dedicate time to TikTok because I just have so much else going on. But I'm really, really trying to lean into TikTok, and I think I'm going to hopefully have a couple things coming. So stay tuned. Follow us on TikTok for sure. I love TikTok. <laughs> it's such like a black hole. It's like yes. yeah. I, you're, all of a sudden mm. you're on it for like, oh, I'm going to watch like three videos. And then two hours later. Two hours later. Like, <laughs> like, I got to go to bed. <laughs> and it's always at bedtime, too. I know. It's yeah. bad. It's bad. But definitely follow the wild on TikTok. We've got some things cooking. Um, yeah, I'm excited about the rest of this year, and obviously the success of the team has made things a lot easier. But um, yeah, we've got some fun stuff coming up. Awesome, looking forward to that. Zeke, do you have a question for? You know, uh, with your job this year, with everything different, you know, a lot more restrictions and all that. Has it been like how much harder or like different has it been to like, uh, you know, still do all that you do? Um, I think so. Obviously, the pandemic has been very made things a lot more difficult um, mm. with like access and being around the guys, but. Um, I mean, we, we're still given really, really good access to them. We just have to be really, um, mindful and, and have kind of a lot of intent with what we're going and asking them for. Um, obviously we're all being really safe. We get COVID tested every day. We have masks on and everything, but, um, I mean, there were just so many other times where we would go into the locker room and it would be media availability time. And I could go off to the side and talk to whoever, whereas the rest of the media would go talk to whoever to get their quotes. And I could just pull somebody off the side and be like, hi, can I have you do this on social or do this for me? And um, it's just been a little bit of a, an adjustment, um, even though our, our team gives us a lot of access and a lot of um, availability with the guys, we just have to be a little bit more planful with, with our time with them. All right. So I think that this question uh, from Twitter kind of leads into a little bit what you were talking about. Um, how much time do you spend on social media on a game day? And what does kind of a typical game day look like from when you wake up to when you go to bed and how you're running the social media? And these questions are from, uh, we'll give them the shout outs. Uh, we have Alexander uh, Dorso, as well as, uh, I believe, let's see, uh, and Connor Beaupre. Got it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I spend a ton of time on social media, probably more than 
that's healthy, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, I think that's the beauty of it is if I'm if I'm not on social media, then I don't really know what's trending or what's going on. So um, I definitely have to, you know, build some time off for myself. But um, I do spend quite a bit of time on all the major social platforms. So um, and then a normal game day for me, um, I'm, you know, a lot a lot of my day is around the team and kind of preparation for the game that night. So um, when we're on the road, I kind of am traveling with the team. So I'll wake up in the morning, get a COVID test. I'll have my posts in the morning, the tune in stuff all scheduled. Um, and then I'll go to morning skate. I'll shoot video. I'll shoot um, photos um, and then uh, edit, do a lot of the kind of, prep work for the game and then um once in the game i'm kind of sitting in you know whatever if i'm in a you know converted suite usually i would be in the press box um and then i'm kind of running around whether it's soccer whether it's um on the bench kind of photos video iphone video and then in game i'm watching the game along with everybody else um kind of firing away tweets with updates and things that come to my mind um and then post game is a lot of kind of recap recapping the gaming, then getting ready for um, whatever's coming the next day. Gotcha. So so busy days overall and things like that. Uh, guys, uh, other questions or should we uh, maybe do another Twitter one here? We can do another Twitter one. All yep. right. Uh, this one is from Christine Hastings, uh, who I believe is a friend of yours. Um, <laughs> yes. and she's wondering, uh, what's your favorite tweet uh, you've ever done? I'm assuming that means as uh, for, for the Minnesota Wild. Yeah. 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 Um... I think that since we talked last, this has definitely changed. Um, I think the two main ones that came to mind when I first heard this question was um, the Miko Koivu um, 1000th game and kind of everything mm -hmm. that led up to that was really exciting and a, a cool moment for me because I had never experienced it myself. Um, and then just what a, what a great way to end that game with, you know, him getting the goal. Um, mm -hmm. And then also piggybacking off that is, um, the Jared Spurgeon captaincy announcement. He is just, he just means so much to our organization and just to have that happen and be a part of that was, was really, really awesome. I I'll, I'll never forget it. I was able to kind of see him um, later that day. Cause it was our media availability um, media day that day. So just to congratulate him in person, it was um, very cool to kind of be a part of that. Um, but my actual specific favorite post now is the JJ Watt tweet <laughs> just because it just was very um you know one of those things where it just all of a sudden I was like well this is so easy why why can't I just make it about us and so um and just to see kind of you know all of the you know NFL Twitter and everybody kind of take it and everybody critiquing my bad Photoshop job which <laughs> definitely was intentional even though it could have definitely been a, a worse Photoshop job I should have leaned into that more but um, that was part of the fun is the, the bad Photoshop job. So, um, I think, yeah, those are kind of like the top moments for me. <laughs> yeah. The, the JJ Watt one was great. Um, I believe the ones we talked about in the last show was just kind of like everything that happened, like late in that very first game with, you know, uh, the, the third period meltdown <laughs> and then fans already turning on the team night one. And then all of a sudden Kirill Kaprizov storybook ending scores yep. and, from faints and then to some of you some of you also an apology or yeah that definitely awesome. i think that one was fun to have a little bit more fun with people being like hey you guys all doubted us and look where we are now that was that was a good one 
All right, uh, we'll do another Twitter question here. Um, switching more to the tactical side of things, this one from uh, Frederick Fronson. He asked, what is the best advice you can give to someone currently studying media? Uh, he's over in Denmark, um, mm-hmm. and he just wants, you know, how to get into social media work and advice you can give to get into your profession. Yeah, um, I mean, I I definitely think that connecting with people in the industry, if you are interested in social media management, um, just connecting with people and asking questions is the best way to learn. Um, I obviously, you know, being in Denmark, I can't recommend my internships that I was a part of, but um, any way that you can kind of get that experience of sending tweets and sending posts um, on behalf of an account is really good experience. And that that'll help you um, when you're kind of looking for your first job. Excellent advice. Uh, Guys, other questions? I guess I kind of got one with I run the Caprice of Countdown. I think I asked this before, but my (laughs) computer got all janky on me. I don't know if you were the one running it when he signed, but I remember the day he signed, it was Kaprizov Countdown Zero. Do you kind of feed off of stuff like pages like that? Yeah, I should I should very much acknowledge that if you follow my personal account um, and you tweet a meme, I will definitely be stealing it and reusing it for the wild <laughs> account. So um, I I think that it's it's that the wild fans are my best form of like manipulating things to make sense for our account too. So I really appreciate everybody interacting with me. It gives me really great ideas that I can kind of morph and uh, make into my own. I definitely had seen the, the Caprice off countdown one and um, that, that for sure kind of sparked my like, well, this makes complete sense, you know, with the alliteration. And mm-hmm. um, that was another really fun day. It was very stressful because it was obviously yeah. Dean being named the head coach and then one hour later signing curl. So that was a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I guess I would just say, uh, kind of speaking of memes, like, you know, all these uh, people this year, especially who seem to have, you know, kind of started to post, you know, you go into the replies after on either <laughs> the Wild account or any other team's account, and I'll see there's 500 replies, <laughs> and I'm going, okay, what is this? And then it's just the same, uh, like 300 of them. But like, you know, how fun is that just to have, you know, the, a bunch of different fans just interacting in that way and just doing those kind of things? Yeah, I think that was something that I had experienced with the Tampa Bay Rays there. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Yankees Twitter was very much into sending like, uh, you know, like you shocking. just got beat by, you know, whatever <laughs> random pitcher it was that night. And so um, I think that it's it's been really funny to kind of see the replies of like, you know, like, you know, you just got scored on by Kyle Rao or whatever it is. Like it's it's very um it's funny to me. And I think that even when we are the ones that lose, like, I don't think that those accounts realize that they're giving me really good engagements and impressions (laughs) by like (laughs) responding with mean, mean things. And like, they're not making me mad. I'm literally just laughing at it because I think it's funny. So um, it's a win for me, no matter what. Um, But it, it has been really interesting this year to kind of see how my tone has shifted in our kind of like our fans tone towards us, which I really like. It's been for the positive. Um, you, you, I think this is a good uh, spot to slot this question in. So you talked about, you know, you see, you know, kind of the, the memes from other teams and kind of laugh those ones off. But obviously there's going to be some negativity that, that comes to the mentions at times too, whether it's from fans or their fan bases. How do you sort through that? And, and how much of um, how much do you love uh, the mute and the block button? Oh, yeah. The mute and block button are my best friends. Um, I think that the Colorado Avalanche fan base has definitely Oof. been the ones that are a little more, 
little more like, aggressive. We've addressed um, that on this show, I believe. <laughs> yeah, they've toned it down a little bit just with how things have gone. But um, I really, truly try to read through most of the mentions and the ones that are constructive and, and coming from a good place. I do try to take to heart and try to, you know, use that and, and reply as needed. But the ones that are just like, you know, who let the Diana housewife take over the Twitter account? I'm just like, I'm either going to dunk on you or I'm going to block you. <laughs> And so who is your who is your better doesn't. friend? Is it the uh, mute button or is it the cap lock button? Oh man, well the cap lock's more fun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've had to. I think I've ripped out the mute button a few times for sound the foghorn just because people are so negative. I'm like, nope, good vibes yeah. only here. If you're gonna be negative, I'm not gonna unblock you because I want the follower and you're interacting nope. and you give us engagement. <laughs> but I'm not gonna. So I'm just gonna mute you. Yeah, it's one All of right. those things where if somebody's mean on the wild account. I, I will mute them from the wild account so they can do whatever. But I sometimes go in on my personal and I block them because I don't need to see that. Like I need mm-hmm. to protect myself. And exactly. I've been subject to trolls on my personal account and I just like don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I know that I need to, you know, protect my mental health in order to do this job. So um, if somebody is kind of, you know, a little bit more on the, a little bit more on the negative side that's um, aggressive, I will kind of sometimes take that action. And hopefully for anyone listening, that is the 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 person going, oh, the Edina housewife or the intern running social media. No, this is a person with a four-year degree, <laughs> lots of experience, who puts in a lot of hard work. Give them some respect. Even yeah, if it's your enemy team, they're, they're, exactly. they're humans. <laughs> so so give, give them some respect. Yeah, it was really fun. I had a, I had a guy actually DM me personally. I, I don't know if you guys saw, but I had a couple of the initial tweets that were like, you know, people like, oh, this intern sucks, whatever. And I was like, what they don't know is they make me stronger. And one of the guys that I had in the post actually DM me privately and was like, hey, like, I really appreciate like how you handled that. And I'm sorry that that came off so rudely. But like, thank you for, you know, you know, handling it the way that you did. I was like, thank Mm. you. That's all. That's all it takes. There's a real person behind the account that you're trying to be mean to. Right. Contrary to popular belief, it's not Bill Guerin or Dean Evason behind the account. Yeah, the actually account. it is. You don't know. <laughs> Bill Guerin burner account. <laughs> God. <laughs> I haven't seen him in a while. It's been a minute. Um, we do have a question here that kind of relates into that from uh, our friend Derek Felks. Uh, do tweets ever get sent up for management or anything? You know, I would assume maybe like big announced like trades and stuff they look at. But what does that free reign look like for you when it comes to to posting and, and what goes up up top? Yeah, um... I mean, obviously, we went through quite, kind of a couple of very large, you know, world moments um, over the summer with um, kind of the social unrest and then the pandemic. So um, during those times, there was a lot more scrutiny around what was going out on the accounts. And, um, you know, <laughs> there are people I think that think that I'm literally the only one that has any say in what goes on. And whereas, no, like there are certain things that have to go up and get approved by people that are much higher up than me before they go out. Um, so I think kind of, um, I would say on the day to day, um, not often, um, but the bigger things around trades, those obviously are planned a little bit further in advance. Um, and those get kind of proofed by our internal group before they are scheduled and sent out. What would you say is the best part of, of your job or your most favorite thing? Um, I think that the stories and the, um, the kind of behind the scenes stuff that I'm able to provide to fans has been, um, 
really uh, my favorite part of my job just because if I'm not there showing those stories and those behind the scenes moments that they don't ever get get to be seen by fans. So um, I think that's really special for me to see um, kind of how much people like certain things that I'm able to provide as the social media account. Guys, any, any other questions here before, uh, before we wrap up? I can ask one more. Uh, having talked about the pandemic, how different things are, um, what event are you most looking forward to when fans are back and the team is allowed to interact with fans again and do those type of events? What What's the one thing you're most looking forward to again? Yeah, um, there's a lot that I'm looking forward to. I think um, I, I don't, I try not to get too emotional about it, but just being in that empty arena and seeing all of the seats is so, so sad. And just to know how much the guys beat off the energy in that building is so mm-hmm. important. And I'm really, really excited for kind of that first goal back with a full building. Like I'm really, really looking forward to that, that moment. I'm there's be a lot of when Kirill Kaprizov yeah. scores his first goal in front of the team of 18,000. Right. Oh I know I it's going to be one of those things where it's like, we have to get kind of like the reaction of the crowd because he's already scored his first goal. But the one that, you know, is shown in front of the fans is going to be just so impactful. And, and I know that people like really, really are drawn to him and it's just going to be a really exciting moment. It hasn't even uh, happened. I already have chills. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be a lot of chills, a lot of tears, a lot of, I think the roof is going to blow off that place. Yeah, I think the social media account might go dark for a moment, so I can gather my thoughts. <laughs> no one, no one will fault you. More faints. <laughs> Literally faints. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we'll uh, we'll wrap up here. Um, Zeke and I were, were a little upset a couple weeks ago. We had both picked uh, Zeke. Who was it? Like, was it was it Greenway? I believe. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, Jordan Greenway has the Minnesota Wild first, and uh, our friend Aaron Heckman had picked another guy a couple nights before. Um, we just wanted to give you this opportunity to apologize to all your Wild friends for not picking them for a Minnesota Wild first, and then also give us a little insight to maybe how that actually gets picked. Sure. So, yes, all my friends, I am I'm so sorry that I can't pick you. Um, I, I work hard to try and uh, pick people that have never been picked before, so... Um, keep trying. Uh, I definitely am looking through as many replies as I can before I pick one. Um, but there are certain instances for prizes where, um, I, I try not to be influenced by my followers and my friends. So I send, um, my social digital intern in to kind of go and, um, pick a couple for me to, to choose from and make sure that they kind of hit all the criteria. So, um, yes, I apologize to all my friends that have not won yet. Um, I hope one day that you um, get an MM Wild first. It will put a smile on my face. Awesome. I think that's a really good place to uh, to wrap up with you. Is there anything you want to plug, uh, either personally or upcoming for the Minnesota Wild, or things that have maybe recently come out for the Wild uh, before we let you enjoy the rest of your evening? Yeah, I mean, you can find me on Twitter if you'd like. Uh, otherwise, you know, obviously, please follow the Wild account. We really appreciate it. Um, I always love compliments on the wild account. It won't, it will uh, influence maybe, uh, maybe my likeness towards picking you in the future, but uh, no guarantees. <laughs> um, I definitely think that um, follow the wild players. They're, they're great follows too. And um, I really appreciate you guys kind of letting me um, hop on the podcast to talk more about, about me and what I do. It's, it's been great. Yeah. We're, thanks so much for having you on. Uh, we had a lot of fun. Glad to be able to get everything to work this time. Uh, exciting homestand uh, continues tomorrow and uh, we look forward to seeing what you have in store for us then.
Yeah, thanks, guys. I'll talk to you later. Yeah, thanks so yeah, much. Thank you. Have a good one. Right. Bye. 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 All right. Thanks again uh, so much for Erin uh, for joining the show. Uh, guys, she's seriously awesome. We're so lucky to have her in Minnesota. And I know a lot of you that uh, listen to this show are uh, are part of Erin's uh, army, we'll call it, of just people that uh, <laughs> routinely interact with her and, and, and give the memes. And she was very, uh, uh, before we started, just appreciative of all the memes and stuff and for uh, those of you that are pushing the big time rush oh, we didn't get to that but uh, she's very appreciative <laughs> of that as well so Aaron, thanks so much for joining keep up uh the amazing amazing work you're doing uh, but we've got a little bit of a show left to go here tonight uh, it's been another good week for the wild uh, but before we get into them we're gonna run through our uh, our normal stuff here and uh justin we missed you last week for the prospect update so uh we're gonna turn over to you for anything you got from the last two weeks yeah uh, i'll, I'll kind of keep keep it uh sweet short and sweet it's uh probably medium actually a medium update uh alexander hovenov's season is over in the vhl his team has been eliminated uh mm. the khl playoffs playoffs have also begun uh, manel brennan manel's tore tore it up so far seven points in five games but his team is also eliminated they got eliminated by ska in five games the only prospect we have left in the KHL playoffs at the moment is uh, Andre Svetlakov with CSKA. The regular season in college hockey is also over, and the conference tournaments are uh, beginning soon. Boldy has also been named Hockey East Player of the Week for the fourth time this year. Nick Swaney was named to the NCHC All-Conference first team, and uh, Nikita Nestorenko was named to the Hockey East All-Rookie team. So. We're getting some pretty good accolades, at least out of our college players right now. Yeah, I mean... Philip, it, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, you go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, all the guys in Boston College and, you know, Sweeney and Duluth, mm-hmm. like you said, the, yeah. the college players have been... I mean, I can't think... I mean, maybe back to when Greenway, Cunning were kind of college players where, you know, the Wild had this many exciting prospects at the collegiate level. Um, yeah. And hoping that, especially, you know, got people like Boston College, UMD, where we get to see those Wild prospects are hopefully... Uh, in the NCAA tournament to uh, hopefully playing against our Mavs and our, uh, and our Bulldogs. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's kind of nice to see the, the cabinets getting stocked at kind of all the levels between the KHL with Manel and, you know, Rossi out of the CHL and yeah, just the college players are doing well. So yeah, I mean, it's good to see. Yeah. I, and, I think, uh, I think it was the, the Minnesota wild prospect account that brought this up last year, but I think like at the conclusion of last season, up until like when the Wild drafted Rossi, they had like the top KHL score, WHL score, OHL score, yeah, like runner up in the QMJHL, and then I think it was like, and then we had like an AHL, you know, goalie MVP, all yeah. in like the Wild prospect, which was like, like kind of just bizarre to think about that. Hey, those are all Wild guys that that did that. Yeah, it, it's been pretty amazing, and you know we we're only going to add more to it with this coming mm-hmm. draft having a couple picks. That that kind of brings up my next note is. I think Zeke sent this over to me, to us, actually. But as of now, it seems like the 21 NHL mm-hmm. draft will remain in the July slot, which is exciting for me in a selfish way. I know it might be a little bit harder to scout these prospects, but as, as it sits, we hold a couple first-round picks, a second-round pick, a couple thirds, a fourth, fifth, and sixth. And we might lose the seventh because of the Bugestead trade, but I'm excited to witness another draft here sooner than later. Yeah, I'm I'm excited, and I think okay. um, I've listened to a couple of podcasts um, 
that have addressed this already. I believe uh, the Athletic Hockey Show addressed it, Puck Soup, and I think one other. Um, and just talked about, basically at this point, it, it makes a lot of sense for me to do it. The, the OHL is the only league, basically, that's not playing. All the other ones yeah. have returned to play or have a plan to return to play, and it sounds like they're hopeful that the OHL will do the same. So it just means those players that just have that shorter time, um, it might be hard for them to scout, but um, I think Scott Wheeler, who we had on the show a couple weeks ago, brought this up. Mm-hmm. It could just be a really fun draft to look back on in five years and just see, yeah. you know, wow, how did that guy go? You know, sixteen, he should have been top five. That's and I true. think just I think it could end up a yep. lot like kind of that Heeshear um Patrick draft where, you know, we saw guys kind of in that four to ten range that like yeah, you know, Elias Pedersen and Kelly yeah. Carr probably should have been one and two yeah. that year. Um or, or whatever else, Miro Heiskin and two in that range. So I think it'll be really fun draft in that sense. I know I've just kind of started my very preliminary research. I'm working on my uh my top thirty-one, or I'm at thirty-two yeah. now. With uh, I believe Seattle gets participate in this draft as well. Yeah. So, um, looking forward to it for sure. Um, it's like there's still the consent. There isn't a consensus one, and that there's five guys yeah. pretty much in that top range. So that's that'll be interesting to to watch too. Unfortunately, it sounds like Maddie Beniers is a consensus top five. So yeah, I don't think we'll hope for that. a Pittsburgh tank at this point to uh, to have the Maddie Beniers dream uh, come alive. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've seen they're going to be uh, in some articles sellers, so maybe maybe that gets us that pick. But, uh, anyways, not going too far down the rabbit hole. That's kind of the, all that's... I have for the prospect update right now. <laughs> A lot of seasons are ending and, and playoffs are starting, so that that's really it right now. Oh, that was no bit of a rabbit hole compared to what Zeke and I did last week without you. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, uh, was. we managed to do an hour 15 on our own, and I was like, oops. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if you caught the end of this show, but we're like, yep, so it's definitely not Justin that does too much talking that makes the show go long. No. It's definitely us, too. Us. <laughs> we found the culprits. Yep. <laughs> All right, so All right. we'll uh, go into analytics here next. Uh, very quick one today because, I'm frankly, at this point, I think I've ran through most of kind of the important ones, so I'm going to have to start uh, – doing some of my own research and finding some of the obscure ones. But today we're going to talk about Fenwick shots, um, which is essentially the exact same thing as a Corsi shot. Really the only difference between them is that Fenwick doesn't count block shots and Corsi does count block shots. So Corsi is usually a good, just, you know, how many shot attempts were there total? And Fenwick's like, all right, how many shot attempts were there? hundred of them were blocked. We'll take the difference. That's Fenwick shots. Um, and I think the, the, the big area they're used, it, you don't hear them talk about too much, um, especially not in the way like Corsi, but most expected goals models will use Fenwick over mm-hmm. Corsi. Um, I know for sure, I believe both um, Money Puck and Evolving Hockey's model both use Fenwick shots. Um, so that's kind of like the main difference there. And then just some Fenwick leaders in the wild. Um, I don't think this really comes shocking, but Kevin Fiala leads the team in, in unblocked shot attempts, which ma- makes sense. Uh, 50.32 uh, per 60 minutes played. Ian Cole, also not shocking, the lowest, uh, 37.1. Per 60 minutes played. Uh, this one was a little bit more surprising to me. Fiala also leads in uh, Fenwick against uh, per 60 minutes at 36.48. Um, and then unsurprisingly, Parisi uh, the most at 48.12. And the top five in terms of percentage, uh, Fiala number one, 57.97. Uh, Jeek, uh, 53.93%. And then uh, these next two were, were a nice surprise to me because they're two guys I think that have played really well and are starting to get the recognition finally. But uh, Nick Bukestad, 53.42, Nico Sturm, 53.31, and then Matt Dumba, who's having a heck of a comeback year, uh, 52.93%. So again, like with most other stats, above 50% good, below 50% bad. You can find those stats readily available over on uh, naturalstattrick.com. So yeah, that's Fenwick shots. Very quick and easy today. Like I said, I'm running out of things to do, so I'm going to have to (laughs) do some deeper dives to figure out what else to talk about. 
Right on. Thank you for that. You bet. Zeke, uh, this week in Wild History, what happened? Well, okay, this was a bit more of a lean week, but it did uh, end up finding something I think that was fairly significant that, although I might not remember so much about, I think you guys might. Uh, this happened, uh, this trade happened on March 8th, 2006, and uh, on the, this trade involved the Wild acquiring a first-round pick in 2006 and also a 2007 conditional third uh, to Edmonton Oilers, who they uh, gave them a uh, goaltender, Dwayne Rolison, who obviously everyone knows was a big part of their 2003 run in those early teams. And then, you know, he ended up, did end up going to the Stanley Cup final with the Oilers that year, getting to game seven against Carolina, I believe. So um, that, you know, that was fairly soothing because Edmonton, you know, they got the goalie that brought them to within a couple goals uh, in a few minutes of the Stanley Cup. And that that first round pick I, was eventually actually traded to the LA Kings in the trade for Pavel Dimitra at the time and that pick ended up being uh trevor lewis who was who was a you know he was a bot fourth line forward for the kings for a long time but uh you know nothing too spectacular but you know it was fairly notable because uh you know it, it the like said rolson went to the finals that year as kind of a rental and then obviously they used those picks to acquire a player who was very good for them in uh, in pavel Dimitri those last couple years so yeah no that was uh that was this week in wild history all right Dimitri was so fun to watch on the wild he was <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, this is a little off topic, but uh, bringing up Pavel Dimitra um, brought me to this little memory I just had. So my dad and I were talking mm-hmm. the other night um, about, sh- shockingly, uh, Kirill Kaprizov. Um, and I thought this would be a good <laughs> podcast topic here. Uh, and we'll talk about Kaprizov, because why not? But we were talking, it started with the conversation of, is Kirill Kaprizov the best passer that the Wild have ever had? And then the, the three names we kind of came up with as, you know, who else we thought would probably be Granlin, Koivu, and then Demetra. Yeah, I mean, he's up there with them. If, if he continues at how he's playing, I, I, I'd consider him the top. But I don't see why he's not going to continue doing it. He just makes passes that I'm like, how the heck did he think of that? <laughs> I just, I don't know. He's the just... one that Bugs did the other night. Yeah, holy cow. And yeah. It, yeah. Even the play before that, where he like bent his wrists at like an mm-hmm. obscene angle, yeah. like drop past Zuccarello, then got it back. My my favorite part about that whole goal was just like you just see Buke said like they, they cut to him for the celebration, mm-hmm. and he laughs and just goes, "Wow." wow. <laughs> yep. Wow. And it's just like, "Yep, Buke that's what mm-hmm. we all thought. Uh, was yep. what we were all thinking too. I mean, he just and does I... it nightly. It's it's ridiculous." Mm-hmm. And then more importantly, we discussed this too, beyond best passer. Is he the best player the Wild have ever had? Better than better than Marion Gabrick. It's, well, what, 20 games in now? 21, yeah. 22? I'm really close to saying yes. I don't want to yeah. say yes, but I'm right there with you, like really close. I, I want to see him do it for a while. I think he will do it for a while. I think he will end up being the best player that we've ever had, but it's hard to say he's better than Gabrick yet. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, you obviously, for me personally, before I go out saying that everywhere, I would want to see at least, you know, a full season here. But, I mean, you know, like you guys just said, based off of everything skill-wise, uh, you know, I think the difference between him and Gabrick is Gabrick was a straight line, you know, I guess north-south kind of guy who he could shoot and skate, but that was pretty much all he did. Exactly. Whereas, right. whereas with Kaprizov, he does everything. I mean, you guys mentioned the passing, like, that's why people like stare at him when he's on the ice because you know you, you won't see anything and then he makes something out of nothing with either right. a quick spin between the legs or whatever and yeah no I, I, I'm with you guys I think he probably is the best player and uh, I mean yeah no I mean it just 
for me personally, uh, every time he scores or does anything, I get very excited. And, uh, you know, the example last night, I was sitting on the floor, kind of leaning up against the couch with my computer up for tweeting all that on the thing. And uh, he scores the goal and I kind of tossed my uh, computer off my lap, <laughs> which was not at first a kind of panic, but yeah, no, he's very excited. As we said, yeah, knowing a million times. Right. He, he will never have the Gabrick speed, but no. he will never need the Gabrick speed because of the no. dynamic he brings. Is mm-hmm. he, he just does things with his skill that, that makes him who he is. And mm-hmm. I would also like to uh, make my weekly dunk on the Soda Pod for um, their claim that 35 <laughs> points is unreasonable. Kirill Kaprizov now just uh, 15 points away from that mark with 30 uh, some games. Mm-hmm. left to go so feeling pretty good about that bold call we're not going to talk about <laughs> justin's um, that one never happened well, what I, I i don't know what you're talking about exactly <laughs> it definitely wasn't about the power play at all nope. no nothing, nothing about being top five uh, <laughs> yep all right so uh let, let's get into the minnesota wild um an overall pretty good week we saw maybe just kind of Watch the fuel tank run out on a long road trip with a, a rather pathetic loss to the Coyotes, five to one, um, mm. and just where they just you know a really good first period and then that just seemed like they ran out of gas. Um, but and, I mean they came back with two awesome efforts against Vegas. Granted, the first game was Sands, Petrangelo, and Stone, but game two, I don't want to hear excuses. If Stone wasn't fully healthy, don't play him. Um, Wild negated him completely the other night and. Despite a four to three score, it was a it was a pretty wild dominated game um, that the yeah. officials who will rant down in a little bit here um, <laughs> pretty much almost handed the game away. But uh, just what do you make of this last stretch? You know, blast I think nine two and one now in their last uh, that'll be twelve games. Just what do you guys like are seeing, and, and is there anything that concerns you, or are, are, you, are your spirits good? Overall, my spirits are good. I mean, you can't ask for much more than nine two and one. I, I was. When we're going into the season, I was kind of like, I don't know how this is going to go. Where center's depth is awful. Mm, like, we don't know how the goaltending is going to be. Everything's been good minus the power play. And we're seeing a team become a team and not necessarily all skill winning us games. It's the mm. team winning the game. Yeah, I think that's a, you know, a good point is that a lot of the seemingly like I guess change in culture that the Bill Guerin seemingly wanted to do over the past few years was that, uh, you know, that more team-based attitude and that, okay, you know, uh, I, I'm not on the score sheet. I didn't score tonight and get any points, but, you know, I contributed, you know, positively to the result of the game and to a win. And so I think it's like, like just to mention that that kind of, you know, team attitude is really kind of, I think the big key here. And, uh, you know, and another thing that I just kind of, was, as I was listening to the NBC broadcast yesterday, I mean, Patrick Sharp was going on about how he's never was very surprised at how fast they look. And it's I don't know if it's necessarily that they're fast, but I think a lot of it is because of their fact they're just always moving. Uh, they're always hustling. There's, you know, hardly a, except for that one game in Arizona, never really any gliding around or like laziness. And they're just always giving it, the, you know, their max 100 percent effort uh, throughout the games and every shift. And I just think uh, that kind of mentality shift has been uh, and just with some of the new guys they brought in have really just kind of helped them overcome maybe their lack of skill and talent on the middle and such. Yeah, and I know it could just be player speak too, but a lot of the players have kind of echoed that sentiment too, Zeke. If you listen just kind of in post-game interviews mm-hmm. and read read quotes, it's, oh, you know, what what's working for you guys? It's like, I know we're just playing as a team. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I think what, what goes even deeper, and I think, Zeke, we talked about this last week, is the Wild have a fourth line and, and third pair, no matter who's on it, 
um, that just other teams right now, especially in this division, cannot match. Um, we mm. saw the the Zeke. I think you might have brought this up in our group chat, um, or it might have been someone in, in a reply. But someone brought up um, that the Wild against the Vegas fourth line was just awesome. I mean, the, the, the Reeves, Golasar, yeah. and I think it was either Nozick or Carey they had on that line just weren't effective. And it was our fourth line going out there. And I, mm. I read off stats earlier. You know, Bukestad, Sturm, guys leading the team in, in shot attempts uh, per sixty. That, that's a fourth line. That's out yeah. there doing that stuff. They're not supposed to be doing it, and they are. And it doesn't matter who's been there, if it's been Benino, if it's been Bukestad, if it's been Sturm, Hartman, Felino. I mean, guys aren't complaining where where they're playing, and I think yeah. that's that's yeah. just huge. I mean, you know, I, th- I think the Wild have the benefit of, hey, we can roll out any line against any of your lines, and we're fine. You don't have that luxury. Mm. Right, so, so speaking of lines, so we, we kind of, uh, you know, we're, we're curious earlier in the year, we called, you know, the – We've now dubbed them uh, the grief squad of, of Greenway, Eric's neck and Felino. <laughs> Beginning of the year, they were called the third line. Um, and I think even, you know, as that line's been reunited, we, we it's it's still kind of being, you know, you know it was, oh, the wild checking line. And then you mm-hmm. go to the box score, just the uh, the, the basic goals and assists. And th- all three of those guys are top four in the team in points. The, and I, I believe they're two, three, four. Number one is Kaprizov. But in the way they're controlling play, are they the wild's first line? Well, I mean, I guess for me, I mean, I know on the line rushes and all that, I mean, this doesn't, doesn't matter, but on their posts, they're always listed as the top line. And I mean, like, as you said, they're producing offensively. And, and I mean, I think, uh, you know, this has been brought up a few times the last day or so, but I believe it was uh, Felino or Eck who in the, in the pregame yesterday said that, you know, they wanted their line to play more on the offensive zone. Uh, and Felino, as we saw, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, it was Felino then. Well, as they, and then as we saw, they, uh, scored 19 seconds of the game after some you know hard work forecheck that uh, led to a turnover in the offensive zone for them so i think uh yeah no i i mean now are they going to keep score like is marcus felino going to score 13 points in 11 games every month yes. uh, probably not <laughs> well yeah, hopefully so but uh but i mean i like you said i think uh you know just how like i said before just the hustle and how just much they move and how hard they work i think uh even if they're not the most skilled, I think, you know, you probably could make that case that they are their best line. Justin, yeah, I mean, to add? Not much. I mean, Z kind of hit it. Dude, they they play – they're playing like a first line. I mean, they might not have the mm-hmm. skill like the Kaprizov or Fiala on the line, and they may not end up staying the first line type look. I mean, Greenway and Eck have made huge strides this year, and I think yeah. that is that is something that has helped like make this team who it is this year you got i mean mm-hmm. x leading the team in points and greenway's one point behind capri stop for the lead so i mean as of now i'd have to say they are the top line until you get you know player like Kaprizov with uh yeah i don't know I, I i don't have much to add other than i think yeah they're playing like the top line <laughs> and i'm pulling it up uh, right now um ice time at ice time at five on five the last two games uh, they were second uh, two night or would have been now three nights ago um, with eleven minutes forty eight at five on five. Uh, Bukestad, Zuccarello, Kaprizov, twelve tenths, only thirty seconds, like one shift less. And then um, last night uh, they led um, twelve minutes forty eight seconds. The uh, Rask uh, Parisi Fiala line was second um, at ten twenty one. So I mean they've been deployed even ice mm-hmm. time wise as, as a top line too. And I you know all those guys are now getting looks. Um, it, it green, I don't know if Greenway is on the power play, but I know for sure, uh, Eck, or I don't know if Felino was either, but Eck getting power play time as well. So, yeah. 
<laughs> at this point, it just seems wherever Joel Eriksson Eck is, that line just churns. Mm-hmm. Just to yeah. let, let's talk about Joel Eriksson Selkie here. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, number one wild fan uh, Dom Luschijan and uh, Michael Russo did a little did a little feature. Um, it's been a while since we've done a reacting to Russo, so let's react to Russo and Dom. Um, and they and they gave a case for um, for for Joel Eriksson Eck to to be a Selkie candidate, and uh, I'm here for it. Just. Let's just let's give Jewel Erickson X some appreciation. This is gonna be the Jewel Erickson X appreciation show. All right. Well, I haven't been able to read those articles yet. I have to, some catching up to do after this this last couple of weeks I've had. But anyways, uh, I mean he he should be in the Selkie conversation. I mean he's been maybe the team's best player outside of Kaprizov, the team's best player, and he's constantly on the penalty kill. He's one of our top penalty killers. He's always hard on the other team's best players. He's one of those players that just pisses the other players off and it's not necessarily like him being an a-hole. It's him just playing the right way. Mm-hmm. I, I think Darby Hendrickson uh, on Russo's uh, straight from the source mentioned that like Eric's neck is like, he's just kind of the guy like you'll get in a scrum and it was kind of like sneakily, kind of like shoulder elbow, you kind of yeah. like, like, like not hard, but just like just he, he apparently does little things like that all the time just to drive guys nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like that guy that's that that sibling that's like I'm not touching you, I'm not touching right. you type yes. thing. Like, he, he just pisses people off by doing things the right way. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, like you guys said, he's just a uh, great, and I mean, I still look and I. I kind of almost can't believe that he has 10 goals already every time I look at the stat column. And, I mean, obviously none of them are ever pretty. Like, you know, but, for example, the his second goal last night where he got his first shot, the rebound was sitting under floor, I believe, his legs, and he's crashed the net. And I think that's just another uh, key point with this team is that there's – I think in the past there used to be a lot of guys who wouldn't, you know, keep – like like you guys said, he's a guy that just keeps going and keeps going until the whistle goes. And, and as you guys explained, that may cause some scrums and all that. But I think that was just another play that uh, – really just uh, exemplified the kind of player he is and that, you know, playing until the whistle is, is always going hard. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, with how they are good defensively, I mean, that's just with, you know, especially last night uh, doing a great job, even though his first game back against Mark Stone in their top line, I believe they haven't allowed – I don't think they allowed a goal the last two games to them. Uh, no, yeah, he's just been uh, been fantastic. And I think the only thing you could uh, – you could ever say is his, I guess, weak part of his game is that his face-offs aren't, I mean, like a lot of guys in the team aren't particularly great, but, uh, you know, I also don't think they're terrible. And with everything else he does, I, that's not concerning me either. So, yeah, no, he's great. And it sounds like Darby had mentioned that that's one thing X been just working his butt off to is how to get better and, and mm-hmm. stuff too. And I believe last night he was over 50%. I believe he was oh, eight, yeah. mm-hmm. 8 for 13. So I think that's like 57% if I remember from my data entry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, obviously, you know, that's, that's kind of a, I think it's kind of a blind squirrel situation there. Cause typically he's yeah. been, you know, kind of in the forties, but you know, if that's mm-hmm. part of his game that can come around, I mean, the sky is the limit for him at this point. I mean, he, mm-hmm. we, I think we talked a lot about this when we were debating who the wilds would draft. And we talked about, you know, the type of center that Bill Guerin likes. It's the guy that plays 200 feet, does the right thing in his own zone, doesn't have to drive the line, but just has to help in both ends. And I think he's done everything he, that Guerin likes. And I think for that reason, we've, you know, obviously Everton's knows it too, and we've seen him put in all situations, and it's it's just great to see him doing what he's doing. And do I think he'll win the Selkie? No, because mm-hmm. the way people vote, you know, maybe in five years he'll win it, because um, that's how the voters vote, <laughs> it seems. Um, but I think he deserves some votes, and especially, I mean, the way he's playing it is awesome. 
Um, anything else to add about Eck here before we move on to uh, to one of his line mates? Well, I guess just three quickly. I just want to get you guys' thoughts. I mean, if he keeps, he obviously with his contract expiring at the end of the year, uh, you know, he'll be due, due for a raise, especially if he keeps it up and finishes with, you know, it, it, almost the 20s and goals at this point as possible and stuff like that. Like, do you think that the, he's the guy that's going to get, you know, I think Anthony Sorelli got just under $5 million. Like, do you think that that's uh, something that's probably around there that they would use as a comparable in a way like contract wise i would imagine that's probably one of the first names they go to as a comparable mm. is israeli because i th- they're really similar types of players and especially mm. now i think that yeah. we're seeing the point production too um yeah i think right around the five five and a half term is mm-hmm. I, I never term's yeah. always tough but i mean i ideally i think i mean whether you're a contender or the where the wild are he's your number two or your number three Mm-hmm. Um, that's a guy you probably want to lock in. I would say at least probably five years and, and get him for those prime years for sure. So five, five and a half by five years, I think would be reasonable. And so mm-hmm. I wouldn't, if you want to give him no move protection to uh, whatever, I, I love him. Yeah, him. just keep him. Yeah, I think it's certainly plausible. I don't have much to add. I, I just think even if he doesn't continue these offensive numbers in the future, which we hope he does, he still brings that. 200 foot defensive game to his game so mm-hmm. I, I think it's possible yeah and yeah and I, justin you brought up just hoping the offense continues i think that to me has been the most impressive part is that you know sometimes when you see that you know a guy that's typically defensive forward and he takes strides offensively it's usually at the expense of defense but we haven't seen that with Eck. it's yeah. been it's been added offense while still maintaining the defense which i think is just a testament to just you know the effort he's put in and you know, they call him Mr. September for a reason and just all the best to Eck because he's just awesome, fun to watch. Um, also been fun to watch lately has been Moose. Marcus Felino just on a tear mm-hmm. lately offensively. But I actually want to just touch on defense. I, I, I've tweeted this out, but um, Marcus Felino in his last four games has not been on the ice at even strength for a high danger chance mm-hmm. uh, against, which to me is mind-blowing. And his expected goals, I believe the highest he's had and that span is like 0.24. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I mean, obviously he spent two games alongside Eck and Green when we know how good that line is, but Felino's just on a bender by all accounts right now, whether it's you know punching a guy's face out, scoring a big goal, coming up with a big assist, just shutting down defensively. I mean, I, this, I mean, we've talked about the Brodeen breakout, the Eck breakout, but I think Marcus Felino's breaking out too in front of us and, I mean, he's whatever, 28, 29th. I don't even know how old he is anymore, but feels like he could be 36, but also like yeah. 22 at the same time with the energy <laughs> he brings. But Felino's been really impressive to me as of late too. Yeah, he's he's been one of my favorite players to watch. Just, I mean, he's always given it all, his all, and he's, you know, he scored the two goals against Vegas and, and just having big games. And like you said, you know, just playing hard. I mean... I can't put my thoughts to words right now, but he's he's been really fun to watch. Like, yeah, I'll let you go ahead, Zeke. Yeah, no, I was just gonna bring up kind of just at that line in total. Uh, there was a tweet that I just got pulled up here from uh, Thomas Williams, who's the managing editor at Hockey World, and who uh, pointed out that since 2014, uh, only one line has had a higher on ice five uh, v five expected goals four percentage with a minimum of 100 time minutes time on ice than the the grief line this season, and uh, it was actually that same line last season was the other line that uh, had that, you know, was that good. So I think that's just, uh, yeah, no, I just think, uh, you know, we've talked about obviously Eck and then Felino who, 
you know, obviously got the contract extension, uh, you know, earlier this season, which I think is obviously turning out to going to be well worth it for everything he brings. And yeah, no, just another, that's probably just been like, a, a not, I mean, it's not a surprise at all, but just with the, the Greenway and the act just really picking up their offense. I think it's just really added another completely new element to their, to that kind of combination. Yeah. And without a doubt. I'll add one thing. Yeah, I, I think this is really making Garen, it's going to make Garen's job tough on Huda mm-hmm. exposed during Seattle. Yeah. And I think yep. we'll, we'll, we'll definitely have a big episode as we learn, especially close to the trade deadline and figure out, you know, what's going to be there and stuff. But yeah, for sure. Um, as of now, they have to find a way, I think, to go three and seven. Whether that's getting Suter to wave, if they can get Zuccarello and Breezy to wave, because I just yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that that's another time though. Um, we'll get to that later. We're, we're kind of running close on time. We've got some more stuff to get to. Let's quickly go over um, Wild now. We have a three-game home set coming up against the Arizona Coyotes, who were absolutely mauled uh, by the Colorado Avalanche their last two games. Colorado outshot them in those games, I believe. Uh, let's see, I had the number here. Uh, let's see, pulling it up, pulling it up, pulling it up. Uh, it was 81-28 to 28 in the last two games. Um, also in the, uh, I believe the first of those two games, Darcy Kemper was hurt, has been ruled out for the foreseeable future, not expected to make the trip to Minnesota, which means they have Antti Ranta, who stopped, I believe, 44 shots last night. Yeah. Um, like 11 of which came from Nathan McKinnon and he couldn't score a fantasy goal for us. Thanks for nothing, Monty Ranta. Um, so we have them both our fantasy team and I also have my personal one. Um, so really frustrating. But uh, beside the point, uh, he, he he's played well in relief, but uh, Aiden Hill, their backup um, now, in, in the fact we're placed for Kemper, not a bad, uh, probably one of the better third stringers in the NHL. But, you know, I think the wild maybe have some bad blood for how they let that second game get away. But, uh, what are you guys looking forward to, and, and maybe some keys to, to pulling out? Maybe you know for sure, let's say five points in these next three games. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I look forward to us continuing to play like we played Vegas. I don't want to go into this thinking that you know it could be like a trap game. I, I don't want to mm-hmm. run into that. I want to see us to continue to play how we're playing, play hard, play them. You know, play every team the same every night, basically. Um, I mean, I'm I'm really looking forward to not playing Vegas because f those guys. But uh, <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah, I mean, just continue to play how we're playing. Yeah, no, I, I don't think I have uh, much more to that in this other than you know, like Justin said, just uh, keep going up the hundred percent effort. Uh, I, I I don't think the Coyotes that I mean, especially they're not uh, aside from a few guys like. Uh, Connor Garland and Clayton Keller, they're not, don't have a ton of particularly high powered offense. So I think if you can just, uh, you know, uh, keep up your same, as we just talked about the same, you know, uh, hustle, physical play that they've kind of stopped from playing lately, I think uh, you'll just uh, give yourself a good chance. And it'll also just uh, be nice to see if uh, the power play can continue it up and start to get on a little bit of a rhythm here too. Yeah, it was, it was great to see Kirill pop one in there, right? You could just see even – he even gave mm-hmm. the celly, which we haven't seen much from wild players. And I think oh, that's yeah. just that, – <laughs> yeah. that, that was a team celebration for, you know, fuck yes, finally we got one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I think for, for me, I think that they're, they're going to come out hungry. Um, I would not surprise Especially me now. Especially advantage if we see the grief squad rolled out against that Garland line um, mm-hmm. early and often. And I think let the other three lines just go to work. Um Tell those guys, hey, take take Garland and I think because I think, think he goes with uh, Schmaltz and I want to say Kessel um, as their top line. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. But I think if you if you take those three out of the game, 
Arizona's got nothing else really. Um, right. Stay out of the box, keep moving your feet, and keep doing what you're doing. I think they could easily pull out two of these three games for sure, and sure, hopefully absolutely. three games sweep and get another streak going. Um, one more thing we'll talk about: um, Capo Kakinen, eight in a row now. Two more starts, three starts. Do you just keep riding him until he loses, or how do you mix in Cam Talbot here and balance between needing to get Cam Talbot going but not wanting to lose the hot streak you have uh, Capo Kakinen on? I'd say start two or three. I'm not. Do we play any back to backs against Arizona? I haven't looked. Uh, let's see. Hmm. Nope. Twelfth, fourteenth, sixteenth. I would almost start on the twelfth and the sixteenth, and I mean, you want to keep Cam active and and ready to go but you you do want to ride the hot hand so i'd want to give kakinen two starts for sure yeah i I think that's uh i would probably say the same thing but i guess i would be more in favor of uh, putting talbot in here for the next game like you know i know uh obviously capo has won eight games in a row but i think uh you know just kind of i think a lot of fans got to keep in mind that uh, you know you don't want to same time ride uh, a goaltender into the ground because we've seen in the past here, like with Darcy Kemper, what happens, especially with the younger guy, when you just uh, thrust that a possibility. And I mean, I'm not saying that he can't handle it. I mean, obviously, if he's playing good, uh, keep going in there. But uh, I, you know, and because I think just the key point is that uh, if they're going to, you know, continue to have success, they're, they really are going to, you know, they're going to need both of them. And uh, no, but, but I do agree, though. He should probably get, uh, you know, the majority, like the 60 40 or something around there for the l- next little while. Yeah, until Talbot starts to kind of find his form again. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, anything else pressing to the wild that you guys want to touch on here before we uh, wrap up with our players of the week? Well, I don't know if we have a lot of time, but uh, you know, uh, do we, we want to address the? Do we want to address the uh, officiating from last night? Oh yeah, game? it was fucking terrible. Yeah. So <laughs> I'll, I'll, yeah, I I'll say what Dean Evison was thinking. It was fucking awful, and it nearly cost the game. <laughs> yeah. No, it was. I mean, there was just so much shit. Like, I think, you know, and a lot of people, if you complain about it on there, it's, well, yes, you know, generally you don't like to hump, go on the refs all the time because that can be a bit homerish. But I feel like in these four games against Vegas, whenever I've watched them, I feel like that's the, what they're taught to do, like, is to play that, you know, rough, like, kind of physical thing where they're, you know, throwing hits after the whistle, well, after Parker, just doing all sorts of shit. I'm that, not blaming Vegas. Keep If they're not going to no, call it, keep well, doing it. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm not, no, I'm not. I'm, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, they're being basically taught that if they're not going to call it, don't do it. But, uh, but I mean, you know, like we were showing last night, there was, uh, I mean, obviously the big one was the Susie thing when uh, he threw a kind of just a typical clean hit on, uh, I yeah, can't was, remember who it was. It was but, textbook. Yeah, and then you had Colasar who was trying to go. To, I think he wasn't he just basically trying to go at him into a fight or something, or yeah, they're doing something. Dumb. Was like, nah. Yeah, well, like, yeah. I, I hit your guy cleanly. Nah. Mm-hmm. Right. No, like we took two clean hits. We took two clean hits early in the game, and I'm all uh, I'm all for standing up for teammates. But when have mm-hmm. we come to the point where we cannot lay a clean hit without right. paying for it? Yeah. It. Yeah. No. And then I mean. Then obviously right after that, uh, as we saw, you know, Vegas, they pulled their goalie to get the five on four. And it's, it's essentially, you know, Russo explained this in his podcast earlier. Yep. The, the refs, without thinking about it, they gave them a power play. And then obviously they score a goal and they're down by two with six minutes left. And uh, yeah, no, I was, uh, I mean, obviously we're all very, uh, very angry at that. But uh, I can't imagine what the reaction would have been if they would, Alex Tuck would have snuck that uh, shot into the yeah. empty net with 20 seconds left. When you get on to that too, it's, you know, they, they call this ticky tack slash on Kaprizov where oh, I mean, yeah, he, he taps the guy in the glove, but it's not a hard, it's not vicious, mm-hmm. but nope, that's a call. 
Um, but yeah. when Kevin Fiala is like decapitated and his shoulders pulled out of his socket by a hook and gets pulled mm-hmm. to the ice, it's not that's legal. And just and Zeke, you, you touched on this too. Just the whole series. I mean, I watched it along the walls. Wild wild players would dump the puck in, and I, I'm good with some contact and a little mm-hmm. shove. But there were mm-hmm. several times where the Vegas players completely cut guys off from the puck and set picks, which is like textbook interference, and the refs mm-hmm. just let it go. And I just yeah, I don't get right. it. And we saw. I mean, we talked about the whole series of Vegas. There was the the, the Petrangelo Fiala incident in the in the previous series <laughs> where Fiala oh, God, yeah. got mauled in the corner. That's and, a penalty, apparently. And I, I watched the replay, and Fiala did kind of retaliate a little bit. But it was after I think he realized he was going anyway, um, and I yeah. think at a minimum there you got to go four minutes for the extra you know face slam into the glass. That yeah. that's a rough, and then two each for the shoving or whatever. And just it wasn't called fairly. And it, like you said, it's great that they pulled through that. But uh, <laughs> judging by the interaction, my tweet got about uh, hoping Evison sounds off. It sounds like all Wild fans were <laughs> were right with us there. Um, but hopefully right. better. But um, and for the most part too, uh, from what I can tell that this isn't just a wild thing i mean we've seen um you know there was the <laughs> the, the non-call of the tom uh, or not the tom mm-hmm. wilson hit but uh, the other night um uh, it was a mm-hmm. hurricanes player um uh, dante fabro uh put a hit on um i believe it was brock mcginn elbow right to the head no call mm-hmm. well they called the two minute minor yep. and it was like clearly could have been reviewed for five minutes for a major he ended up getting a two-game suspension, but just like the officials just seem like they don't know what they're doing, and yeah. what, what is isn't a penalty, and it's just it's been league wide, and yeah. <sighs> and I will yeah, say it's just oh, you ahead, Justin. Sorry. No, I was saying you're seeing guys get away with more. I mean, I I can't stand Reeves. He just can't oh, throw on the ice, gooning it up, and then you know I like enforcers, but he's just the type of player that I just I, I can't stand him. And then the Patriotti at I think it was at the end of the second period when he basically shoved Caprice off. I was like, are we just going to let them keep getting away with crap like this? Like, mm-hmm. if, if you don't call it, they're going to keep doing it. Right. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I just think it's, I think it's just overall consistent issue. And like Brett kind of said, the things that they call, like you can have a guy, uh, you know, punching you, trying to get you to fight, punch you in the face, and then you go to the box or and or things like you know they'll the guy will get shoved from behind into the boards where the puck is gone no call but they'll call a penalty for you know I get why the rules there but for accidentally flipping the puck over the glass and stupid shit like that where which you know that you can go into a whole another thing about that but it's just a consistency issue in that they just don't call the game by the rule book but they'll call it by the situation you know trying to get teams back into games and it's uh it's it's incredibly frustrating and you know people are that the one thing that i just got frustrated the most about the game yesterday is like the narrative at the end was well the wild almost collapsed again and they barely hung on to win it's like no they they, they outplayed that most of that game and deserved to win that game four or five something to one and it's yeah it's just i mean they won so i guess you know we can't be too upset obviously but uh and, it, and to the people who are gonna call say you know you're being homerish and all that like this is like a league-wide thing like we, you know, it'd be a little different, but I'd be complaining about this if it happens, you know, the other way around, too. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yep. And if you watch the NBC broadcast last night, they would tell you Vegas battled back. Oh, God. So Old glad we're going to ESPN. Give us Gary Thorne, please. <laughs> yes. Please. All right. Well, uh, we, won't, we won't go too much long here. Let's get into uh, <laughs> to our, to our uh, players of the week here. Uh, Justin, we'll go to you since we didn't have you on last week uh, for your amateur uh, of the week. I guess my guy is more of like a two-week type thing, but I'm going to go with Brennan Manel, who I talked about earlier, the Woodbury native. 
his season is over, but I mean, he put up 38 points in 47 games this year, but recently he put the seven points in the five playoff games and was probably the best player on his team for the playoffs. So, you know, hopefully we, we get him back over here, but uh, that's my amateur of the week. All right. Zeke, who's yours? Yeah, I just uh, kind of went a little bit unconventional. I'm going to go with uh, another Boston College prospect, and this time in defenseman Marshall Warren, who I believe in last weekend's game assisted on uh, two of Matt Boldy's goals in that game. Uh, I can't remember who they were. I think it was against UMass Lowell or something like that. So, But he was good in that game, and he has uh, nine points in 20 games this year. And uh, he was a guy that uh, when Scott Wheeler was on was talking about that uh, – he doesn't think he's like a guarantee to the NHL, but I mean, like he was saying, he's kind of a guy that uh, Scott thought that uh, coaches could, you know, fall in love with because of the way he plays and uh, kind of how just energetic and uh, kind of that kind of way that he plays. So no, it, uh, just uh, hunt type maybe. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then uh, mine is uh, Akito Hirozi, uh, Minnesota State University Mankato freshman. Um, I I didn't have a whole lot to pick from, and I just saw that he was named the uh, <laughs> WCHA Rookie uh, of the Year. So I thought that was worthy of a shout-out. Uh, also, Justin mentioned earlier Nikita Nestorenko, uh, Hockey East Rookie of the Year, so shout-out to him as well for that. Uh, Hirozi, one goal, 12 assists in 22 games. He's undrafted um, and is the younger brother of Taro Hirozi, who is in the uh, Detroit Red Wings organization. Uh, the I believe uh, my Mavericks also took home Offensive Play of the Year, Goaltender of the Year, and Coach of the Year. So just a clean sweep to the WCHA uh, per usual. Not too shabby. Um, good way to go out in the WCHA, which they yeah. will no longer be a part of next year. So, right. As that league, uh, if you didn't know, is moving to the CCHA, which is essentially their oh, nice God. way of saying, we no longer want to go to Alaska or Alabama to play hockey. And <laughs> it's basically the same teams, Sands, Alaska, and two Alaska mm-hmm. teams in Alabama. <laughs> which, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I believe St. Thomas might be coming into that uh, conference oh, as okay. well. So that'll be cool to have another Minnesota team in there as well. Hopefully yeah, sure. that gives us a run for our money because it's getting old beating up on these teams. But anyway, <laughs> <Come on. laughs> what's that? I was like, come on over to the NCHC. Dude, I, I want to be in there so bad. I told him my buddy was a, you know, went to UMD and I talked to him all the time. Like, I want Mankato there, but yeah. Yeah. I would love right. to play North Dakota, St. Cloud, Duluth, yeah. Nebraska. It's much more fun schedule, but anyway, uh, Justin, your pro of the week. I'm going to go with uh, Brock Nelson, Moore Road native. He was a 2010 first-round pick for the Islanders. Uh, he's played three games this week, had uh, four goals on nine shots on goal, 15 points in 26 games, so he's having a pretty good year, but uh, a, a really good week. Zeke? Oh uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I mean, we obviously talked about him earlier, but uh, for my pro league, I'm going to go with uh, Yule Eriksonak, who, like for all the reasons we said, had a great week, had a good couple games, and uh, you know, I think the biggest uh, takeaway is that uh, uh, we now know that uh, Chuck Fletcher and Brent Flair are right, and he is indeed better than Brock Besser. So take that what you will. I'm I'm not going to fight it. Uh, <laughs> and my player of the week, uh, keeping with my uh, Homer bias here, I'm getting back for all the the Duluth guys you guys have done. <laughs> I'm going Mark Michaelis, uh, Minnesota State Mankato alum, uh, made his NHL debut for the Vancouver Canucks uh, on March 4th versus the Montreal Canadiens, uh, became just the 16th Maverick player uh, to play in the NHL, so that was pretty cool. Um, hasn't done a whole lot so far, four games, um, playing mostly in the fourth line, not really even getting double-digit minutes, minus four, um, but cool to see him. Uh, he was, um, I'm really bummed that him and uh the group from last year didn't get a chance to play because uh, they were mm-hmm. they were a special group Mankato so it's cool to see 
Um, I believe Connor Mackey made his debut for Calgary uh, this year too, and those were two big pieces of that team. So good to see him get uh, you know some sort of consolation prize for not getting a chance in the national championship. But uh, yeah, it's my uh, pro of the week. All right, guys. Uh, any final thoughts here before we uh, sign off our uh, our show today? No, I don't. No, I think we covered it all pretty good. Nope, I'm good here. All right, Zeke. Anything to plug and uh, remind everyone where they can find you? Uh, well, I mean, first of all, you, again, you can find me on Twitter at zbwildnation underscore hw, and then obviously all my written work at hockeyboomers.com. And just to plug my most recent article this week, I talked about you know just how good the Matt Dumbin Jonas Brodin pair has been, and I attempted to use a tiny bit of analytics in the end. Some of it, like I don't like. Hopefully, I didn't completely screw it up. But no, uh, you, I, did, you did good. I read it. It was good. Yeah. So I you know I attempted to use that. So if you haven't checked that one out, uh, be sure to do that over at Hockey Wilderness. All right, Justin, where can we find it? Anything yeah. to plug? You can find me at DE's 2004. You can find me at C. You can find me at, at MNW Prospects. Uh, nothing really to plug other than, you know, just keep an eye on the Prospects page. We'll be following all the, the playoffs in the KHL and, and uh, the big college tournaments coming up here. So. All right, and as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh92. Be sure you are following the podcast as well at Sound the Foghorn, all one word, uh, same handle on Instagram as well. Uh, one more big thank you to Aaron Lowry for joining us today, even though that feels like mm-hmm. ages ago already. <laughs> but uh, always, always fun talking to her and, and watching what she's doing with the Wild. So, uh, Wild three games against the Coyotes, and then I believe uh, one against the Abs before we uh, talk to you guys again. So, hopefully, uh, the vibes, the good vibes continue, and the team keeps winning and. Uh, Until then, this has been another episode of Sound of Fire.